I just I think it's important that humans go multiplanetary, um, and I, I mean I like I say I can't explain it. Something inside me just tells me that uh, Mars is for me. Hi everyone, just a few words before we get started. First of all, our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN on the internet. And you can currently get 35% of 12 months of ExpressVPN if you follow the link in the description below. Also, you'll find a link there for my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, which is available to order on Amazon and bookshop.org. Finally, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. Your help is how we grow. So here's the interview. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with Aaron Vickery, another space nut and founder of the Total Space Network. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Ah, No problem. It's a a pleasure. So I came across the Total Space Network uh, just a few months ago. So why don't you give people an idea of of what it is and, and why you set it up? Um... Total Space Network is a creator-focused, content-centric network for space enthusiasts. Um, Most people would go and find their favourite space tuber and be waiting for another upload, whether that's uh, bi-weekly, weekly, three times a week. There's always this constant need for more content from people. Um, Total Space tries to alleviate that with multiple shows on one brand. Um, so we have uh, we have a show for um, in-depth topics, we have a space news show, and we have a, uh, a Mars focus show, I like to call it, uh, Becoming Multiplanetary, which talks about anything from the challenges to the ethical um, nature of humans going off planet. And then we do have some new shows coming soon as well. Oh, that's cool. What Can you tell us what the new shows are? Yeah, we've got um, STEM study segment. Uh, sorry, STEM study, I believe it's, uh, we finally settled on with Astro Rody. It's going to be less um, in-depth space flight and more uh, general STEM education because STEM is quite important for people looking at space flight and looking for a career in spaceflight. Um, we do have Edel who runs shorts and the rocket series on the channel as well, which is not necessarily regular uploads, but uh, it's, it's a show in it. So where did your fascination with, with space actually start? Like what, what made you, or do you, do you remember that moment you first like, I don't know, looked at the stars and were like, I'm going to go there or we need to go there. <laughs> um, like most people, I was I was somewhat introduced to space as a child. I always liked looking up at the stars, and you know, I, like I was always fascinated with watching the the old Apollo and Mercury footage. I think the ceiling moment for me was around four years ago. I saw a video from the Martian colonist Ryan McDonald, and at the time he'd been selected as part of the 100 people to go to Mars and start a colony by the Mars One project. And it's something just flipped inside me at that moment. Like it, it was just like a light was switched on. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I wanted to be. And I know it sounds crazy, but you know I'm desperate to go to Mars. I've spent the last three years uh, retraining. I'm 
studying something completely different at university. I was a chef by trade um, and, and just generally focusing my life around hoping to be one of the lucky enough people to attempt uh, colonization efforts on Mars. Wow. So you were a chef who decided to retrain to go to space. <laughs> yeah. You've got to eat in space, I guess. But I mean, I, like, I assume that's not what you're training to do, be a space chef. I mean, I've, I think catering was a passion of mine. And, you know, I'll, I'll always love um, food. I'm a, I'm a big foodie. Um, recent vegan even due to once again the whole Mars effort we're not going to have animal products on uh, other, other planets it's just not viable uh, at least initially or the first um, first several years we would be on another planet uh, but yeah I mean I, I just the, you see the bit inside you that makes you know you're human that tells me I'm a Martian I, I'm just I tell people I was born to die on Mars Wow, that's that's quite a statement, man. Like, what? That's that's pretty mind blowing. Like, what? Why? Why do you think you're drawn to it in a in that in that way? Because I don't know. I I I love like imagining about space travel, and I don't know, like for example, when I was a kid, uh, the Star Wars uh, prequels were coming out, and I was obviously loved like the idea of just like hopping on a ship and zooming off in the hyperspace and yeah. whatnot but i don't know if that that means i would go and do it <laughs> i mean in real life like what 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 do you think is it like what is it calling you to 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 do that insanity <laughs> no, um i just i think it's important that humans go multiplanetary um and I, I mean, I'd, like I say, I can't explain it. Something inside me just tells me that uh, Mars is for me. I like the idea of challenges. Um, I do have a, a spinal disability. Uh, the the, uh, the lower gravity would naturally help with things like that. So there is that side of it. But in, in general, I mean, you know, re reading anything from Mars Project by Von Braun, right, right through all this sci-fi stuff that you know, humans have been writing and talking about for the last hundred plus years about spaceships going to other planets and living on the moon. And, and it just, it, I, I can't explain it past that. I'm desperate to get off the planet and, and start something new. Yeah. Who is it? Eric Weinstein, I think is constantly saying we need to get off this planet, but yeah, no, I get, I get the, your, your, the, the, the desire to, to see humanity go multi-planetary. But I guess I don't, I don't find myself wanting to be those that pioneer. So you know, all credit to you, even for the passion that that you've shown to go and change career in order to try and pursue this. Um, have you? Who would you go with? Because you know, I I don't want to go. If I'm gonna go off planet, I don't want to go with like the Ryanair of space flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, who, who would you trust i mean like, do, bezos Musk? at present if if we were talking right now if i got the call today to go off planet just into space there's not many providers that that are doing human space flight at present um spacex with the dragon capsule is one of the most reliable choices uh the other option would be soyuz and if you if you look at a Soyuz launch, generally people are crammed in 
and sort of like glued into this tiny little seat for a very quick ride to the space station versus the SpaceX Dragon, which takes much longer, but there's a lot more room and a, a lot more luxury. It's almost like the Cadillac of space flight currently. <laughs> so you, you mentioned before we started that you're a, you're a big fan of Elon Musk. So what, what, or well, you at least were a big fanboy. Um, I would assume you're still at least um, supportive yeah. of, of his work. Like what? What what do you what do you admire about about him and his desire to 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 take humans off off planet Earth? I think I admire the effort he's putting in, not just at focusing on Mars, but the efforts he's putting towards the human race in general. You know, like a lot of people are looking at Elon Musk and saying, "Oh, he's interested in going to Mars. He's crazy. Uh, why why would you want to do that?" But then think about things like Tesla EVs. Um, you know, all the the five um, top safest cars on the planet are all Tesla. Um, the boring company will eliminate the need to sit in traffic. Uh, the Neuralink device will allow such a progression of human species that we can't actually comprehend what it will do for us right now. Like when, and and you know, so Elon Musk is is very much focused on progressing humanity. So space flight aside. I think, although he's getting a lot of negative press recently for cryptocurrencies, which I know you talk um, quite often about here on Chatter, um, but but generally, um, right right across the board, Elon Musk is trying to progress humanity a step forward from where we are. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 hilarious to see one man kind of like single handedly attempt to like wrench humanity into the into the future. Uh, but I, I like his sort of dreamer attitude to things. He, he's just like, well, why not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes and makes it work, which is brilliant. Um, but one of the things I find when I'm when I'm looking at like coverage of, of space travel and of uh, say SpaceX, of Jeff Bezos, or even when I'm talking to people, they're they're, they're kind of misunderstanding what what the goal is especially in the mainstream press they're just like oh you know they've spent billions to send this little satellite to or this like drone to mars and and the reaction is kind of just like why bother so why do you think that's the attitude because uh, i don't know i don't get the feeling that like the the newspapers in the 1400s or i don't even know what the, the the dissemination of news was they had like pamphlets or whatever i don't think people would be like oh well you know why is Columbus going off to this new world? That seems a bit crazy. Or maybe they were. Yeah, I think... <laughs> like, why do you think that, that, yeah, the exploration is not sort of emphasised? I think a lot of people look at space flight and they think about problems here on Earth as more of a priority, which I've got to agree. You know, we, we've only got one Earth, one biosphere. There is no planet B is a common phrase. Um... You know, there was an attempt in the late 80s, early 90s to replicate Earth's environment in a sealed um, structure known as Biosphere 2. It failed. It's difficult to sustain life. But most people care more about, they'll say, why should we spend, as as he said, billions sending a rover to Mars when that same money could be spent fixing problems here on Earth? And generally there's this, this misconception that if, if you're doing things in space, it's not going to benefit life here on Earth. Um, you know, look, look for, for example, uh, Iridium satellites. 
uh, monitoring sea levels and wildfires and deforestation and, and other important things really here on Earth. If you if we look at you know all all the science that's done aboard the International Space Station as another example, people say it's a waste of money to send rockets up, and generally there's this stigmatization. Um, the International Space Station has given us things like fiber optic technology. Um, but, oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, currently on orbit, they are trying to 3D print organs. You can't do that in Earth's gravity because if you're trying to 3D print something that's made of jelly, it gets quite difficult and it'll collapse on itself. You can do that in a microgravity environment. Think about the potential wow. applications to save lives. How many people each year die waiting for transplants where they might have a rare blood type and, and things like that. Now, once again, science can solve that problem. Uh, currently, we can't do it on Earth, but we can do it on orbit. And I think ge generally people are less interested unless there's some headline to it. You know, um, I saw yesterday from uh, the British media outlet, The Independent, uh, they ran with the headline, Elon Musk uh, to sell off his last home before starting Mars Colony. Because um, Elon Musk says on Twitter that he's selling his last house. Um, but Elon Musk selling his last house isn't interesting. Elon Musk selling his last house before starting a Mars Colony is interesting. Uh, I mean, he's been selling all his houses anyway. He went on a whole, like, I'm getting rid of all of my stuff. Yeah. Um, vibe, <laughs> which I don't know, people could call it madness, or maybe he's you know attempting to rid himself with earthly possessions so he can easier maybe it's smart. Fly to Mars. Think about the think about the ten richest people in the world in in terms of the Forbes rich list. Elon Musk is the only person that's taking that wealth, and instead of saying, "Okay, I'm going to buy luxury houses and I'm going to buy private yachts and I'm going to buy X, Y, and Z and have." Wild parties instead he's saying okay i'm getting rid of earthly possessions and i'm trying to save humanity from itself there's nobody else on the forbes uh, 10 richest people that's even contributing a quarter of what elon musk is towards progressing humanity forward mm. yeah i was yeah jeff bezos doesn't exactly seem like he has everyone like humanity's best interest at horror i mean does he <laughs> so to, to maybe i'm wrong put it an example for jeff bezos in the first month of lockdown jeff bezos made more money than the average american worker would earn in 10 lifetimes whoa that's a lot of money it's a lot of money that's that's a crazy that's a crazy amount of money yeah, I mean, like some sometimes the like the figures you can't you can't get your head around when you're talking about like this level of wealth. Yeah, I mean, uh, even 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 Elon, who is um, fabulously wealthy, a lot of his like a lot of his wealth is actually like tied up in all the different companies. Um, so I'm not sure how much cash he actually has on hand. <laughs> I continue to say to people in in sort of my friends circle of, of space that i would imagine if elon musk was asked to pony up all physical cash he probably wouldn't get to 100 million in in physical cash assets i think he, he'd definitely top out before that which i know still i mean like i say oh he wouldn't get 100 million like it's pocket change i mean like i'd like the man's pocket change but still <laughs> in, in comparison to his uh his net worth on paper you know it's a very small sum mm. Do you think you would miss the Earth if you went to Mars? 
Like not not even just like physically. We'll get onto that. But like, do you think mentally he would miss Earth? I think the thing that for for me is is a big one to overcome. Is if have, have you heard the speech from Carl Sagan, the pale blue dot, mm-hmm. where he talks about every everything you ever touched, tasted, smelled, or saw, everyone you ever loved, everyone you ever spoke to is all in this one insignificant tiny pale blue dot. And I think it's going to be a mental challenge for anybody. The most rugged of of mentally stable people would would find it a challenge, you know. I mean, considering we're likely going to be subterranean on Mars initially as well, like that, that naturally is going to have a psychological effect on top of that. So not only are you going to be away from from everything, because that's... That's the nature of it. Like every experience you or I ever had has been on this tiny little blue dot in a cosmic shooting gallery. Mm. And Mostly in a to... tiny patch of that tiny blue dot. Yeah. And and this is it, you know, like think, think about how little of the world you've explored. Even if you've been to 13 different countries, it's, it's still an insignificant amount of the world, full stop. Um, so it, it's naturally it's going it's going to have a psychological effect on anyone, and you know I'd be naive to say that I wouldn't miss Earth, but at the same time I hope to step forward and um, become a martyr for human civilization going forward. If I can help with the colony efforts, uh, the the general rule of thumb is that the first people going there to start setting those foundations up are not likely going to return. Um, but, you know, so, like, it's just something I've got to do. I can't explain it. <laughs> mm. Do you think they could send all the prisoners to Mars like they did with Australia? I think <laughs> <laughs> we've we've probably moved past a time where we, we can... Um, do do things like that. I mean, it's it's expensive first and foremost. I, I think yeah, back send people when we were sending people. <laughs> exactly why send why send people that have proven that they can't function in society to try and help progress society forward. I think we need smart thinkers and hard workers to go towards Mars. We send them to Mercury. So, um, why, why, why are we going to be, um, why are we going to be subterranean on Mars to begin with? Cause, um, there's, there's talk of building like the hubs and the, like, if you look at, uh, the Martian, for example, is like a, a, a fairly reasonably, a very reasonable, uh, visual picture of how trying to exist on Mars might look, um, in terms of their, like habitats that they build why why were we talking about being subterranean i think um that the martian is a really good film it gets a lot right but it gets of quite a few inaccuracies um things like the perchlorates as an example in the martian he is growing potatoes in his own feces and martian regularly uh in in reality it just wouldn't be possible to do without filtering the perchlorates out of the Martian regolith. Um, in terms of the subterranean uh, element, we have the Van Allen radiation belts here on uh, Earth that pr- 
protect us from a lot of what the sun has to offer. Um, Mars has no magnetic, magneto, magnetic sphere. Uh, so radiation on the surface is a lot more. Um, now, like we see, we see science missions like we're going to see with the upcoming Artemis program uh, with the moon where a habitat on the surface is acceptable for short duration stays on the moon. I think long term, everybody has visions of big domes on Mars and dome cities. Um, we, we need to get there. And for, for long term living, I think uh, initially at least it will be subterranean so that we can protect ourselves from things like dust storms and radiation and, and other natural anomalies that occur on Mars. I mean, the, the all of the associated like problems with it kind of it reinforces this like question is like, why would you be mad enough to do it? So like, <laughs> like why, why is it so important for humans to get off the planet and, and, and become multi-planetary? I think... As as I said earlier, we're in a we're in a cosmic shooting gallery. Everybody assumes that the Big Bang happened, Earth just formed, and here we are. Um, the the reality of it is that things like water was brought to our planet via meteorite uh, impacts to the Earth, vicious impacts over hundreds of thousands of years. Um, we look at how many near Earth objects there are. Uh, how many times over the last 10 years you've read a headline that something's going to pass close to Earth, will it hit? Uh, Neowise that made a brilliant, spectacular uh, sight across the sky last year. Uh, that That's all good and well, but eventually what happens if one of those impacts Earth? And, you know, there there is a disaster level event, whether that's meteorite, whether that's mutually assured destruction, whether that's super volcano. And to have a backup of... Uh, the human species is is uh, is important, and add add to which everything that's killing Earth. So, like currently, we have a large amount of CO two in the atmosphere that everybody's worried about. The recent X Prize that was announced about CO two sequestering and and things like that. All these things that are bad for Earth are good for trying to terraform Mars. So think about okay, if we could take all heavy industry off Earth. Think about the green open spaces we could create for people here on Earth. Think about the better environment, the the less pollution we've got, and that. Why why wouldn't you want a better planet for everybody? Uh, we're currently uh, hitting overpopulation. There's fears that the um, food supplies all run out, and overpopulation is going to kill us long before natural disaster or mutually assured destruction. Uh, once once again, this overpopulation problem can be solved by going out of the biosphere, out the gravity well, and and out to the solar system. Whether that is Mars or whether that's uh, or Neil cylinders like Jeff Bezos envisions with Blue Origin. Uh, but it, either way, it's important to spread ourselves across across the uh, solar system. Why? I mean, like it's the next frontier. You know, when when early colonialists were going towards America. They, they didn't just sort of think to themselves, oh, it's because I want to do it. You know, it, it was it was something new. It was like, as humans, we're, we're born to want adventure, to, to thrill-seek. And I think stepping out into the new frontier is that, that next level of thrill-seeking for humans overall. Mm. Yeah, I was listening to a great conversation the other day where uh, they were talking about how humans are creatures that push boundaries. 
and that's like all that's the only that's the, the only way you can define us in a, a, yeah. like a short sentence is that we push all boundaries and i thought it was incredibly um yeah prescient and just like a fantastic way of putting it because you know we, we we've we've yeah colonized the world humans rule the earth and then we're like well we sorted that one out like next <laughs> please uh, yeah so where where else do you think that there is potential for for like human habitation in the solar system even i think over a longer duration than my lifetime or my child's child's lifetime even um you know there is there is people that believe uh places like ganymede uh may be possible um as as an example we did an entire show based on the idea of going to ganymede over at total space uh we predicted that as i think 2200 or somewhere around there that we'd uh we'd expect to colonize colonize ganymede um but but once again i'm not necessarily adverse to space stations i think for for large occupation space stations, we do, you know we are going to find it difficult initially. There is companies like the Gateway Foundation that are going to be building the uh, Voyager station, which is a rota- It's going to be the world's first rotating space station. They're going to be using that for um, luxury purposes. You know, I would imagine people like you and I are never going to get there, but people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and other people with with plenty in the bank will. Uh, get get the joy of uh, spending time on orbit in a rotating space station and I'm not adverse to that idea either if Mars fails we know how to do space stations we've proven we can do that right from Salyut right through to uh, the ISS there's um, you know more private space stations going up there's the Lunar Gateway space station it seems like we're good at it so why not you know attempt that as well what do you see as the biggest barrier to like humanity becoming more multi-planetary and with space? Because, I don't know, there's this, obviously, barrier being the atmosphere. Um, but, like, what, what do you think, like, the, the, the biggest sort of obstacle for us to overcome technologically is before humans can consider themselves to be, like, maybe not masters of space, but but proficient in space the same way that the colonial or the, the, the like early colonists were on the sea, essentially? I think cost is the important one. Currently, the costs um, to send astronauts to the International Space Station. If you wanted to go aboard a Russian Soyuz, that's £80 million per seat. Uh, if you want to go on a SpaceX Dragon... It's around 50 million per seat. If you want to send you know, even just 100 colonists to Mars, keeping in mind that's the cost to the space station. That's not to Mars. That's to the space station. So then think about, okay, you need to send um, supplies as well. So if you and I, if just the two of us were selected to go to Mars tomorrow, you agreed, great, we're going. Uh, the the transfer orbit is every twenty four months, so what what we'd need to go with is not only you and I, but then everything we would need to sustain ourselves for the next twenty four months until more supplies could arrive. And at the current cost, 
that's you know it's it's an expensive task even for in this hypothetical situation of just two people let alone the uh the mass like elon musk generally says a million people on mars and and people tend to run with that number now can you imagine the cost of sending a million people to mars at current rates astronomical so i think once mass adoption applies and and companies like blue origin um a lot of people are quick to jump on blue origin because they've done not very much in a very long time um but but you know even companies like blue origin are important because the more people fly into space the less it's going to cost overall and that that's the key mass adoption the more people that stand up and say i want to go to space the more people that can afford i keep saying the more millionaires and billionaires that are willing to spend you know sums like 28 million on a seat to uh space well space the common line with a uh, blue, blue origin um the more people that are willing to pony up that kind of cash the better because then eventually people like i and you and i can can afford it is it weightless at that level I think you get three to four minutes of whitelessness with Blue Origin. Um, they they do peak just over the Kalman line, so it's like there's this theoretical boundary for anybody who's unaware of space. There's this theoretical boundary known as the Kalman line, where where we sort of say, okay, this is where space starts. Um, Blue Origin just sort of throw you over it a little bit. You get three or four minutes of whitelessness. You're paying um, twenty eight. What do you say? Seventy million, seventy seventy million for uh, a ticket in blue. In, uh, in uh, Eighty million if you wanted to go on a Soyuz. Uh, Fifty million on the Dragon. That's the International Space Station. Um, blue Origin just last week auctioned off the first commercial seat on their new Shepard rocket, and a private bidder paid twenty eight million pounds for that. Uh, sorry, twenty eight million US for that privilege but basically you're paying somewhere between like 10 and 20 million per minute that's like the world's most expensive minute of anything <laughs> it is it's, i mean i can think of better ways to spend money but then fair comment like i say the more people with deep pockets that are willing to pony up at an early pioneeral stage of going to space for humans mm -hmm. the better because once mass adoption applies it gets cheap enough for everybody to go yeah i mean it's uh one of the things that that i'd, I'd rather that the, the billionaires of the world spend their money on space than leave it sitting in their offshore bank accounts that just seems like a yeah. better use of it because then at least we get something out of it apart from you know them getting interest payments or something i think the the best one that sums that up for me uh once again we seem to have mentioned jeff bezos a lot here i remember seeing an interview with him in i believe 2009 when he was worth several billion and he was still driving a hold uh cracked out honda <laughs> and he he just sort of makes you wonder at, at that time okay all he was doing is stacking money all he's currently doing is stacking money you know, like, but it, it makes no sense to just hold wealth when that wealth can be used for for other things. Mm. I mean, there's that Tom DeLonge book 
secret machines that suggests that that's where all the money in the world is disappearing to. It's like secret UFO black projects, <laughs> which to be honest, if that turned out to be true, I'd kind of be all right with it. You know, if, if suddenly we had like incredible spacefaring activities, but I don't know. Because he said it was like, I think kind of fiction. <laughs> a lot of that comes from Ian McKinnon in the late nineties, early noughties. Uh, he hacked into NASA. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, are you aware of the story of Ian McKinnon? No, please, <laughs> He hacked into NASA, and as as far as I'm aware, or, or at least the stories I've heard, um, he, he went as far as to when uh, somebody was using a terminal at NASA, he said, yeah, I'm just the IT department, just leave this on, and he was typing that on the terminal from uh, Scotland, and he claimed to have... Um, found NASA documents claiming that there was a uh, huge human fleet on orbit of uh, these dark projects that, that, you know, I mean, dark projects exist. And I know a lot of people uh, say UFOs, like UFO is unidentified flying objects. You know, if if you saw um, a, a new uh, military plane fly over and couldn't identify it, even though you'd know it's a plane, it's still an un- unidentified flying object. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's things like the Galactic Federation. Did you hear the stories of the Galactic Federation last year? Oh, man, yeah. No, I love these stories. <laughs> Which, l- less believable than than sort of some of it, that, you know, there's aliens living under the surface of Mars with US officials and, and this kind of thing. But, yeah, I, c- I can believe that Black Budget... Um, has seen things like the um, X-37 space plane uh, that was uh, initially a black budget project. It wasn't spoken about until it returned to Earth. Uh, that's for anybody watching. That's a miniaturized uh, robotic version of the space shuttle. Uh, yeah, they are currently using it. Now. I'll put yeah. the I'll put a picture up here for anyone when I'm doing my edit so they can people have a look at it. That's really cool. Oh, that's yeah. tiny actually. Sorry, I just seen a picture of it with um for for anyone who's listening and not watching this, uh it is about when it's sitting on the runway, it's maybe two meters high and it looks like about eight to ten meters long. It does not look big. Um Wow, that didn't I didn't so, even know for that comparison if if you have been watching rocket launchers and space flight, uh, that was sent up inside the uh, fairing section of a Falcon 9 rocket. That will give you some kind of scale to the size of it. Okay. Yeah, that, that must be fairly small. I mean, the fa- like the Falcon 9s are, are not a small craft, but um, yeah. Like, what, what do you make of all of these uh, like declassified videos from the military and the Pentagon that have been sort of doing the rounds? And uh, what is your... Does that interest you? Is that, because I mean I've seen a lot of people who are interested in space that like Elon Musk, for example, and and Neil deGrasse Tyson, people who are fascinated by space and physics and and you know space flight, the universe, and they're not that interested in this, and that's curious to me. Like, where do you? Does, does, think... it, does it intrigue you at least? I'm very interested in the idea of intelligent species. I think, okay, we are here by an amazing chance. As I explained earlier, you know, things like water were brought here. 
um, on on meteorites. We are here by this incredible chance. This such a, such a low low chance of it happening. But then think about just how many exoplanets there are. Think about how many because each star you see in the night sky is a sun somewhere else. You know, and the the potential for life is great. Um, I think intelligent life, like it get it gets a bit different when you think about intelligent life. I think when I was watching Elon Musk on Joe Rogan, he said if intelligent aliens exists, they're being really, really, really slow at revealing themselves. <laughs> I mean, I also don't really buy that argument because what if? All of the people, well, not maybe all the people, but at least some of the people who are saying these things are, are right. And this is the evidence. And we're just ignoring it, being like, oh, these people are nuts. There's no evidence. And like this is, <laughs> which, which is the thing that always like fascinates me. Because there's loads of weird, like, I, I, I never obviously take them like too seriously. But there's like the Chicago lights. There's, uh, there was one in Argentina that I can't remember. There's loads of like sort of odd events in history. And you just like, I'm just like, what is that? Like, what? What are we looking at here? Is this like mass hysteria? Is it like, I don't know, ball lightning? I think There's loads of like possible explanations. The thing that gets me is in a modern world where everybody's got a highly advanced piece of technology in their phone with a mobile phone, it seems that the only time that aliens appear <laughs> or UFO appear is when somebody's got the worst possible camera on them. You get like this two megapixel shot shaking through the sky like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just, <laughs> there is a lot of evidence to suggest <clears throat> that we have been visited by um, intelligent aliens, um, species, whatever you'd like to call it. But then there's a lot to counter that as well. Uh, you know, like I always believe that um, the, the precision of the pyramids, as as an example, just even now by modern building standards, we couldn't build them so precisely uh, that they, they actually line up with a lot of sacral nodal points around the world. Even if you, if you look at um, ley lines and and think about just just how precisely those pyramids were built, that's suggestive that they had help from at least somebody that had access to a view above the earth. Yeah. And considering yeah, and the, we've only in... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Nazca lines are another one that's amazing because it's like you have to have been able to see them, to even think, to make them. That, like, it's... it's I don't know. Like, it's very plausible to me that, that, that Graham Hancock is, is quite right that was like a, a more advanced civilization that had more tech than, than we sort of give them credit for. Um, but yeah, what, what, do you think that, 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 that this was like smart humans or, or, or like aliens helping us or giving us the technology? Because that's the, that's the really what out there theory is that like we are accelerated, like humans were accelerated by aliens. And, <laughs> and uh, I yeah. think one of the theories I like most is I hear often that smart people are not reproducing and instead they're career focused. Um, so then the people that are having, are having children are less intelligent than those people that are going out like such as Warren Buffett and, and these big people that are going out. Sorry, I apologize. 
world's loudest phone. Um, and I've gone off tr- off thought trying now. Sorry, I apologise. Warren Buffett, rich rich people, smart people, not not reproducing. Yeah, smart yeah. smart people are not reproducing. And I think I heard someone say before that as humanity progresses along, we get less intelligent as a species, and that would sort of back up what you're saying about um, humans being more advanced and, and more civilized at, uh, uh, and smarter at the time the pyramids were built, really. I mean, I I um, kind of back the theory that the reason that it's just, it's not that we're getting stupider as a species, it's that intelligence is no longer the thing that keeps us alive and that there's like a peak to where like a, a civilization gets where where the like where intelligence is incredibly evolutionarily uh, important and therefore the more intelligent you are the more likely you are to survive and it hits like a point where the, the that has eventually created a society so yeah so so good essentially that that we don't need to we don't need intelligence to survive and then you kind of get the other side of a curve and I kind of see it as like a progression and like a, a wave probably over like some stupid length of time scale rather than people it's just like oh we reached the peak and now we're just gonna fall apart because we're dumb i think it probably goes in like peaks and troughs over over centuries because i mean what well, the romans and the greeks um you know achieved a pinnacle of it of perceived intelligence that like okay technologically they may not have been quite where we're at it with like electric and whatnot but um in terms of like thought and society and philosophy like we like there's there's still the foundations of everything so like i don't think it's impossible to suggest that humanity sort of goes in waves um it's whether we can survive said waves is the real question hence why we need to get off planet (laughs) i i agree with what you're saying i think in more modern times we are privileged enough that you don't always have to be a smart person you know like there was a point in time where it was all about doing as, as great as you can at school and hoping to get into a university to build a good career. And people are less aspirational. You know, uh, first and foremost, we live, as, as you correctly pointed out, in a, in a technological era. We are te- technologically more superior than we have ever been. What that brings about is this new wave of people like you and I. You don't need to go to university and study a degree to... Uh, start a brand on the internet all you need is a piece of technology in front of you and uh, a a focus subject and you know that that key that stride towards learning and intelligence is less predominant as a result you know you've got people that like okay we talk about space flight at total space Uh, a lot of people will say that that's in depth and and quite hard to understand um, sometimes, uh, but that's okay. You know that that's part of the problem with with mass adoption of people liking spaceflight, really. Uh, but you know that that's not always the case. If if your partner wanted to do makeup advice on the internet, she could do. All she needs to do is pick up a, a device and and give out makeup advice on the internet. And so, you know, you you don't necessarily need an education for these kinds of career paths and. As, as a result, we're not we're not aggressively chasing knowledge like we were, and it, it's creating this slowdown of innovation. Mm. I mean, I don't I, like. I think it's actually like allowing people to go more niche 
in a way and it's creating like a lot of like hyper specialists uh in the in the way that sort of adam smith very much uh, envisioned um several hundred years ago in that we, we because i was having a conversation and you'll maybe appreciate this actually i was having a conversation with um a guy who does like media consultations and media training uh because a friend of the family had put me in touch with him to talk about what i'm doing here about journalism about how i can improve everything and a lot of the the information and the suggestions he were given he was giving me were very much about what would have worked 20 years ago and not what the internet is about and because he was like you know you should try and not have such long videos um or discussions you know you need to keep it concise and so everyone can understand it and 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 ultimately that's like the, the very antithesis of the internet because it gives you the like there there's no bandwidth limit there's no there's no programming limit this is like go as long as you want and if you make good content and go as niche as you want to go and it's it's good people will watch it it's just a case of being discovered by people but like it's really changed our like relationship with with information and uh, uh, learning anything um so i think the ability to go niche is there i guess i would hope for the future of humanity we manage to encourage more curiosity for people to find that information themselves um which is why networks like total space um are so important because you're providing like like a wide breadth of in-depth inf information about a specific topic so uh yeah right to 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 to, to sort of draw things up to a close here um how why should people go and check out total space network um and what have you guys got planned for the future for the future um continuing to hopefully make content people enjoy uh we do have like i said earlier we've got um stem study uh in its final uh second pass of editing that should be released over the coming weeks. Uh, we are going to be doing some on-the-ground stuff with UK space flight companies and hopefully uh, further afield. Uh, as for the why, people should come and check out Total Space. If you've even just seen one SpaceX headline and you're curious about what it's about, we try to be as user-friendly at Total Space as possible. There's some channels that will dive into the scientific uh, you know, understanding of space flight, we try and cater to a general audience. Whether you're 13 years old and looking at, you know, yourself trying to start with a Mars colony and, and you don't know how to go about that and you want more information, or whether you're 60 years old and you remember, um, you know, the moon landings and, and such, that's fine too. Everybody will find something that they will like at Total Space if you have even a mild interest in space flight teenagers this is not a way to get away from your parents you still have to live with them um <laughs> yes <laughs> to to be clear we are like a, a lot of people are, are saying that we're going to be colonizing mars by 2030 i don't believe that i've spoken with industry experts i've spoken with uh, people like abibo architecture who are a think tank uh, focused at trying to build a city on Mars with newer city, uh, Nexus Aurora, 
who won the Mars City State competition uh, last year at the uh, 2020 Mars Society Convention. This is not a 10 years timeline thing. You know, what, what we need is um, a, a lot of things. It's, it's going to be 2040, 2050. And, you know, like people like me, I'm, I'm in my 30s. Although I'm aspiring to go to Mars, if I got there, I'd be extremely lucky, first of all. Um, but I wouldn't get the luxury. I wouldn't get the opportunity that somebody that's 12, 13 years old now and focuses their attention on would get. If you're a young teenager and you're listening to this podcast, my extremely loud phone again, you'd have thought I'd put it on silent the first time, but I just didn't. Um, but if, if you're in your teenage years and you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, Mars sounds like my kind of place, first of all, you're crazy. It's a dusty, barren wasteland that's trying to kill you. <laughs> uh, but secondly, focus that thought and that energy. And by the time you're my age, then it's more of a reality. Well, that seems like a very nice note on which to, to leave things. Um, Aaron, it's been, uh, it's been a really fun chat. And everybody, I will put links to all the stuff we discussed in the uh, description below. And go check out Total Space Network and all their wonderful Fantastic. content. Thanks very much, Thank you man. for having me, Josh. It's been wonderful. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. Don't forget our sponsor, ExpressVPN, and my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, can both be found in the links in the description below. And also, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It's the best way to help us grow. Until next time, thanks for listening.